Hey guys, I'm Alex and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. So, before I start, I want to first apologize for not giving the right thing on that promo piece. I meant to type Thursday the 22nd, which is today. And instead, I ended up typing Tuesday because autocorrect is a son of a bitch. <laughs> um, but also, uh, over a thousand people have read my story about why anime can't seem to win any Hollywood awards in regards to like the Oscar nomination and there being. No anime featured in the best animated category, even though some really incredible films came out this count like this calendar year technically in America, even if they came out technically like last calendar year in Japan. But so anyway, I wanted to thank everybody who. may have read that from a link from this podcast I am like I keep saying I'm going to try and put out a story a month on medium mostly so I can try and mask a how bad I am at writing and b I can like let it happen naturally and I can put things together that are meaningful and I don't fall into the trap of like, okay, I gotta push out another story this week I guess I'll just write another sweet list even though I do have a top 5 list up there um, you can go read that too there'll be a link to um, the Lunchbox Media Tumblr in the description of this episode, like I always usually try try to include and that, if you go to that and click on the read tab, you'll be able to see any articles I write. I'll double post them there, so you can click the link and read them in Medium and all that fun stuff. But thanks for that. Um, but without further ado, it's time to talk about our the show that I hinted on Monday, which is. A little show, and I'm not exaggerating with when I say little, it's only six episodes long, but its legacy is many, many, many hours longer. And that show is FLCL, also known as Fully Cooley, also known as Footy Curdy. Let's get into it. So. This is going to be an odd episode because up until now I've talked about some shows that I've really loved. I've talked about some shows I've really hated. Um, not hated in the right word, just thought were pretty bad. For a prime example of what I think is pretty bad, go listen to Neo Yo- my episode of Neo Yokio. I think that's episode three. That, sh- that show is still pretty bad <laughs> regardless of what people like have come around to believe of it. It's still a pretty bad show. 
but up until now, I haven't talked about any shows that have been for- formative to me as a fan of the medium. And that's kind of what FLCL is. So I want to start this by telling a kind of a story of sorts. So when I was in middle school and high school, I, I, I started getting into anime when I was in middle school. Way back in the late 90s. Um, and... When I first got in, when I first got into anime, uh, yes, I watched anime, but primarily because this was still the days of DVDs, and in some case, in my earliest years of being an anime fan, tape trading was still a thing, and like I got, I got cassette tapes for Christmas from friends, and I gave cassette tapes to friends for Christmas. So the easier way to experience anime and, like, grow stories was through manga. And eventually I made a friend and I started borrowing manga through her and I did what people with bad taste do and I read the entirety of the original printing of Love Hina through a friend. I kept borrowing volume after volume after volume. I got in tons of trouble with my teachers, my parents, because I I wanted to read this bad harem manga pretty badly. Like I, I almost got it I almost got a volume confiscated in class one time. It was it was not it was it was dumb shit, but it was not a good look. And I was aware that my friend had a sister, and her sister was responsible for some of the manga I borrowed from her, but I never, like, I never really put it together. And then... I, so I was, I was watching anime on TV, and I had VHS tapes, and I had some DVDs at that point, and then my, kind of my family collectively started giving me the DVD, DVDs of the show FLCL, Fully Coolie. I had seen it. At that point, probably one or two, probably one to one and a half times total on Adult Swim, which is possible because it's only six episodes long. And I like gushed about this thing. I loved this thing. It was so nonsensical. It was filled with like tons of references I understood and tons of references I had no idea what they meant. And just the. The show felt like it was made by people like me for people like me. And I later found out that I later, not too, not too, too much later found out 
that was totally made by people who grew up wanting to be animators and they watched anime and they like they loved the stuff they did as much as they did it which uh, up until I went into college up until actually my second year in college I was fully traditionally trained to be a cartoonist and an animator so like this as a kid as a creative kid stuck in the place he was stuck in this show kind of didn't kind of, it spoke to me in a way that, not that other shows couldn't, because other shows definitely could, and some of them did, but that most shows didn't, just because of the nature of who I was as a person, and the thing I was interested in doing with my life, and the things I would become interested in doing with my life afterwards. Much like things like making this podcast. So, I, so I'm going through like getting tapes and I'm getting these DVDs one, once a year on Christmas and I have these memories of, because I am a person who has a, Mad, who's capable of seriously magical leaps of logic and thinking. I would always wake up early at on Christmas morning. Like freakishly early, like before the sun was up. And it's, it still happens now sometimes. It's just, it's like a weird ingrained Pavlovian habit, basically, is what it became. Uh, and part of that was because when I was a kid, I, there was always the understanding that, you know, Santa came and that transformed once I was, it was no longer feasible to say, okay, it's okay for you to believe in Santa and we're still going to play this game. It became, okay, Alex, you can believe in Santa just like your grandpa because both of you are amazing humans. But, um... <laughs> Not to toot my own horn, but you're going to. But now, we're just go, we we as a family, meaning me and my mom, will exchange presents on Christmas morning. We exchange presents with the with our whole with the whole family on Christmas Eve, and our presence on Christmas morning. It's just the way our family has always kind of traditionally done it. But what this would mean is I would wake up and it would be like a period of at least a half an hour to two hours where I wouldn't have anything to do because I I couldn't be a jerk and go wake my mom up at like two in the morning. I couldn't like go stomping around the house, bomb, 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 bomb at two in the morning. So what I would do is I would just by myself, I'd go to my brand new DVD that I just got for Christmas. And for three years, and for those, for the three years that I did this, it was FLCL Volume 1, FLCL Volume 2, and FLCL Volume 3. And I would just watch these things, and I would sit in a dark room 
with the TV brightness turned all the way up, and I would absorb these one third of this story, and that that memory stays with me to this day. Now, last week I talked about Studio Trigger and. Kill the Kill, and a little bit about Darling in the Franks, and Studio Trigger sprung out of a studio named Gynax. And Gynax is this, they, they are, they've earned this kind of legendary fame for themselves by being the studio that created things like like FLCL, like Ava, like um, another Gynax show is uh, His and Her Circumstances. His and Her Circumstances, if you're not familiar with it, you can go check it out. It is this, it is basically this like staple of romantic, of a romance, of a romantic drama of the 90s. And it is almost unlike anything Gynax has ever made. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure Gynax was. Hold on. Um, I know that Gynax made a bunch of different things. Um, but they. They became this kind of like hot shot studio and on the same in the same token production IG became known for making like some of the best looking anime that came out in the, the span of its existence and it's still known for making really amazing looking work like when you see production ID name on something, you know, usually it has a certain level of quality that they don't compromise on. So, Gynax and production ID teamed up to make a, to make a six episode OAV FLCL. And as I mentioned before, it has this and still does to a certain extent. It has this hold on me. Mostly because it's about a teenage boy kind of growing up. But it's not it's not like it's not like boyhood. It's not like the mo- the movie Boyhood, which is about basically a boy growing into an adult gro- growing all the way to 12, and it's the whole 12 years. Um, it's a little bit of an insane movie for one I've heard. Um, it's about a, a grade school kid's transition from kind of his grade school adolescence to his teenage high school adolescence. And it's it uses a lot of metaphors for that. uses a lot of blunt instruments that are barely metaphors for that. But that's really what it's about. It's about this kid 
who's learning to be honest with himself and learning to stop kind of posturing as much and accepting things that he feels for different people and accepting the way his life is and accepting that he has agency in changing his life to be more of what he wants it to be. And that's... If you know anything about Studio Gainax, you kind of know why they would make a character like the main character in FLCL, Nauta is his actual name, but most of the cast calls him Takun, which is interesting because he... Takun is his older brother who is absent from the show. And Takun is this... is basically a baseball superstar. And he left to go play baseball in America, which is a big deal. Um, and, they, and they make a big deal of it in the show. And Naota is left kind of without his older brother, without this figure in his life who he looked at, who he looked up to and even worse he's left kind of holding the bag of his older brother's clearly dysfunctional relationship with what with who was his girlfriend um a side character named Mamimi and she's this high school delinquent girl who smokes and lazes around and, like, uses Nauta as her kind of plaything, and she's also the one who gives Nauta the name of Takun, because she wants, she wants a stand-in for the guy she loved who left her alone. And that that need for her ultimately works itself into the story in a major way. But basically this show is like I said before, it's about Nauta growing up just a little. and learn- It's about him learning a couple important life lessons. It doesn't try and tackle these like necessarily super morose, super complicated emotions. It just presents you with these simple emotions that the characters want to believe are complicated and they want to believe are difficult in the same way that we all want to believe they're difficult. And they say, and then the show does the job of telling the characters to get out of their own way and to, and to just be honest. There is a, there's a lot of, if there was a Greek chorus, the, they would be screaming half the time, use your words. This show also deals with the idea of like of when of the transition when young men, young women, 
start to feel attraction towards each other and start to feel like, oh, I like this kid as more than just a friend. You see that with um, with Inamori, the um, class president. Her relationship with Naota goes goes in basically goes in on episode um, episode three goes from just kind of this side character little like nagging voice to it's clear that they have a certain amount of chemistry. And that she's interested in him, but he at that at that point is just happy to have her as a friend, and she's really looking for somebody to lean on when he can't be there for her but and if if this <laughs> If this sounds like a complicated explanation of the show, it's fitting because this show is it layers on complexity and it refuses to explain things. It the show feels like you're being dropped into the middle of a story of a of an overall storyline where all of these events have happened up to this and you're encountering the story at this point. And you're encountering the story at the point at which Haruko, the um the bass the ripcord bass guitar wielding moped riding crazy woman from outer space slams her guitar into the head of a grade schooler, Naota, for seemingly no reason other than you later find out to coax out this being that she is in love with and you later find out that she's probably just infatuated with the power this being wields. And this being's name is Adamisk, the Pirate King. And it just it's presented to you as that whole plot, as it goes on, is presented to you as fact. And it is... It, but it never changes... There's no wavering in what the in what that storyline is. There are different stops along the way, but that storyline always exists as a permanent. So, as long as you as long as you accept that storyline is what it is you won't be confused by it at any point. You'll just say, oh, okay, A to B. Don't know, don't, it's not even that. It's, okay, I may not have A, but I have enough information to go from B to C to D. And I'm just not going to worry about how we got from A to B. 
I'm just going to accept that, like, A to B happened, but then go on the ride all the way down to D. And that... That's difficult for an for an not even an anime but any story to do right because they you have to tread this line of giving the viewer enough information and enough for them to chew on that they don't miss what's not there that might be important. Like if you if you are a certain kind of viewer, you can you can sit there and you can say, okay, I get this, but you know where did Adamisk and Haruko meet? How is she? How is she allowed to do this if she's a space patrol officer? What's happening here? Yes, those are all questions, and they might be some of them might be answered by. FLCL 2 and 3, which are coming out sometime later on. So there, there are, this, this was the original six episodes. Toonami has flexed their muscle in the same way they did with uh, shows like The Big O, and they've, they're able to order another six episodes because. The original, they're able to order another 12 episodes because the original FLCL is now this, like, is a Toonami classic. If you, is an Adult Swim and Toonami classic. If you grew up watching Adult Swim from, in the, in the early aughts, basically 2000 to 2001, you know this show, and it, it it hit you like a guitar to the face, for pun intended. Um, but uh, watching this show, you don't you don't worry about the missing plot points that aren't there so much because you the show does such a great job of presenting you a with. A pre- with a really unique visual style even for anime. The animation clearly takes hints from everything from Looney Tunes to South Park. And even things like early Flash animations you get a feel for. And the dialogue and visuals are littered with so many references to... Old shows, anime slang, video game concepts, all these different things that are pretty, that, that, that makes the anime a pretty dense, like, broth of references so if you know those references you'll pick up on there's a whole episode that is basically an homage to Lupin the third the whole episode 
There's references to Doraemon. There's references to Magical Girl anime. There's all, there's all kinds of this stuff in there. And then put that with the, put that kind of like nerd bait, for lack of a better term, with the kind of emotional journey that it tells you to follow these characters on and it becomes less of a narrative-driven story and more of a character growth-driven story. I, and it's just, it's... It's an anime that you start watching at episode one, and by episode six, every time I've watched it, which has been many, many times, there is this calming satisfaction to it. But, and another part of that, but a part of that that I haven't talked about at all with this show, and it is necessary with this show, is the kind of seamless weaving in of the music. So, for people who maybe aren't acquainted with the way traditional animation works, traditionally, when you animate something and there's music involved, you try and use the music as your guide. So, let's say or the sound effects of your guide. So let's say you have a sound effect of a door closing, of a door slamming shut, and you need to animate a door slamming shut. You use the time, that time, the time of that clip to create as the basis of the time for your key animation and your in-betweening. Key animation are the still frames of animation in betweening are the actual little increments of movement. And you combine those together to create an animation of a door slamming shut. Just... But what happens is if it's off, if the door slams and then you hear, then you get pulled out of it. It's the same it's the same thing that happens when you talk about when you're watching a video and all of a sudden the sound desyncs by like half a second and people's mouths are moving and like your brain can perceive that half a second delay and it drives you a little nuts. Now the way that animation is usually done Commercially, is that the sound effects are already in there by the time the animation's done. So they use all the sound effects and they use all the music, and then they dub over it with the characters in front of you, or at the very least with the storyboard in front of you, so you can know exactly what... You, you can see the character you're playing, you can get into the character. That's the American way of doing it. So there is some push and pull. Generally, in the Japanese way of doing it, 
all the sound and voice work is done afterwards. So when you're watching a Japanese thing and the mouths don't ma feel like they match the words perfectly, that's because the animation and the sound was not done at the same time in the way that it tradition in the way that in the like if you want to be fancy about it french traditional way it's done with flcl and with other shows too the music the voice of the characters feels unique to the show and part of that it, part of the reason that is is they kind of flooded this they asked the pillows to be the primary people who do the soundtrack and the pillows flooded this show with really atmospheric amazing catchy music like, um, and I think it's episode, in episode four, Full Swing, they use a interstitial song called I Think I Can. And it is so perfect to the moment and to the atmosphere of the scene that it, it takes a scene that is already a great animated moment, and it brings it up that much higher. It elevates it. And the music is, does this all the way through the show. If you've, if you've never heard the FLCL soundtrack, and you've made it 2018 as a dedicated otaku first, I have to say, I do not believe you. I want you to leave your card on the desk and walk out of the and walk out of the otaku organization right now because you don't deserve to be here. But also, but uh, or you can go and you can listen to the soundtrack on YouTube. It is one of the best anime soundtracks to this day I have ever heard, bar none. And because the soundtrack got so popular here because the pillows and Gonax was smart in doing this because I I would think they knew that this show would would had the potential to strike to strike it big outside of Japan the Gynax, almost on purpose, got the pillows who sing in almost entirely, almost entirely in English for the most of the soundtrack of the show. And so, songs like Little Busters, I Think I Can, Ride on Shooting Star, became these iconic songs for otaku of the early of the early aughts i distinctly remember trying watching episodes over and over and over again watching the end of episodes over and over and over again to try and remember 
the end riff of the beginning riff of Ride and the Shooting Star, which just goes bang bang bang. Um, and I just I wanted to remember that song. I wanted to burn it into the back of my head permanently. It is now. I succeeded. I also probably waste hard drive space in my brain, but I succeeded. And they did things like they gave a interview in in An America that I shared with that that I read and shared with people. They put on concerts in America based on their soundtrack to FLCL. It was a big deal for the pillows. Like, if you've heard of the pillows, it is most likely because of the FLCL soundtrack. Um, at least outside of Japan. So, that's the way the show made me, like, was for me. and But the show was also a... It was this, it was one of the first shows that provided this connection into like the commute, into like the anime community and otaku community in the town I I lived, I lived in when I was a kid. Because I mentioned before that I was borrowing manga from this friend and I knew she had this older sister. And I had gotten for Christmas the first two and only two volumes of the FLCL manga. Which at that point were would not sold as one book. The DVDs were not sold as one Blu-ray. You had to buy two books and three DVDs. Because... Anime was even was way more expensive back then, and my friend said she really wanted to read them, and I said, "Sure, I'll I'll bring I'll bring the first one in tomorrow, and you can read it." And I lent it to her, and my friend went like, "I'm really sorry. I would I read it. I would have given it back to you." But my sister stole it. I went like, okay. And I got it back probably a week later. Um, and then I lent her the second one. And that one disappeared for an extra two, for an, for an extra week on top of the week I gave it to her. And I had this, this, this curious reaction of just like, this girl keeps this girl I don't know keeps taking my manga with no permission given and I never met her until I was in high school and my friend introduced me to her older sister and our first exchange was hey you're that girl who keeps stealing my manga. And she said to me something along the lines of, Hey, you're the kid with the FLCL manga. 
you seem pretty okay. And that what that show became kind of the start of a friendship that actually ended up lasting longer than the friendship I had with her younger sister. And we were friends for many, 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 many years. And this this show helped that happen. This show created a universe, a tiny, tiny speck of a universe that was by far unique enough to let people attach onto it and revolve around it and form relationships around it that were genuine because it allowed people to say, you're the type of person who watches and likes, key point, FLCL. I'm that kind of person too. Let's hang out. And that that's really important. And if there are shows that can do that for people, that is always the best thing. Because as much as watching anime is can be a solitary experience and it can be a kind of light, airy, fun thing, it, it, it needs, for its own survival and for the people who've watched its survival, to have enough to it to connect people to it, thus connecting people to other people. And if and and Gynax Gynax did that time and time and again. I, Ava is one of the essential shows of anime, and there are people who like they only like Evangelion, and there are people who their first and greatest anime where it was and still is Evangelion. Um, but they also interact with people who hate that show and people who just kind of mad about that show, which I am. Fight me. Um, but they also made shows like... like um, they also did the anime for shows like His and Her Circumstances, Kerkano. I was amazing friends for many years with another person who we lent DVDs and we lent DVDs back and forth of Kerkano and we like that's what we did. Kerkano was my first box set I ever bought for off of Amazon for like fifty bucks. So like th- that community didn't start with but really accelerated with FLCL. And that's kind of why it's so important to me. I know this has been a very different, probably very different episode of the podcast, but I, I was watching, when I was watching FLCL, I, I like, I felt these things. I remembered these things and it took me back to when I was, uh, middle schooler and I was watching these DVDs in like the ass crack of dawn and 
just like marveled by this show that yes has some animation moments and has some shortcuts and all this different stuff but but still this it was just this thing that possessed me then and can still possess me now just like I I wrote in I wrote I'm wrote in a, in the article that I'm going to be putting out I without fail and it's not necessarily hard to make me cry I without fail will cry at the end of paradise of paradise kiss every time just every time that show is just like would you like a good cry well, here you go. Every time at the end of FLCL, I it brings a smile on my face and like the warmth to it. But um, so that's that's my story. I'm sticking to it. But if you if you like this podcast and you like me talking about like FLCL and all this stuff. Um, you can subscribe to it on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher. Um, you can go on over to lunchboxmedia.tumblr.com. And you can see pictures of awesome anime figures that I post from the anime figure board I run. Um, you can see the story that I wrote from... Me- that are on Medium and read them. And you can find other episodes of this podcast. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes there. Um, but also if, you also, if you like this show that much, you could go on to iTunes and leave me a five-star rating and tell me what I'm doing right and why I'm a terrible person. Um, and should be doing this, this, or this differently. Um... And I will talk to you guys on Monday, I guess. Until then, I am Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. And I'll talk at you guys later.